Amen, amen. How we doing, City Church? Doing all right? Yeah? I want to give a shout out to the guys at Hope City and LCDC and CRTC. Man, we love y'all. We're here from y'all. I know we can't be there physically, but you're still on our hearts and on our prayers. Um, but I'm excited for today. I've been really praying and, and asking, you know, the Lord what it is he wants me to share with you. I had no plans on being here, but a couple weeks ago I had a lunch with Clayton and he was like, hey, man, uh, I told him, if you need anything, let me know. He's like, well, actually, so here I am. But, you know, God always has a plan. And as I was praying about this, he, what he led me to, I think it's not going to be the easiest thing to always hear. But in the world of, that we're living in today, it's necessary. And so I pray that, you know, my intentions are good, okay, that I, I came to speak love, speak truth and love. And my, my meaning is well. And so I, I pray that everything you hear is really filtered through God's love. And Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So I have a responsibility. I have to speak truth with love, not just as a pastor, but as a brother in Christ, I can't say that I truly love you unless I'm able to keep it real with you and speak truth with love. And if you think about parents, that's what they do with their children, right? They have tough conversations that are, aren't easy to have, but they're necessary. And the goal is that their kids will listen and hopefully avoid some heartache along the way. And the same is true in the word of God. Like this is godly wisdom, not just to take with us, but to apply to our lives. And so I pray that what you hear today, God will reveal it is what you need to do, what I need to do, and we can become better from it. And so as we wearing masks and we're having to go through all these checks and stuff, it reminds me of a hip hop artist named Ice Cube. And he had this song a long time ago called Check Yourself. And in the song, the lyrics say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. So he was saying, if we don't check our thoughts, our actions, we can very well lead to our own destruction. And as I was thinking of all this, it made me think of us, right? We're wearing masks, we're going places, we're getting scammed, we're getting checked. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, today we're going to be doing a spiritual check. We're going to be gauging where our faith is for each one of us. Whether you've been a new believer, whether you've been a believer for a long time, whatever the case may be, today is a day of check. And that's not an easy thing to do when you look in the mirror oftentimes. So I just want to pray for us one more time so we can be prepared and really receive what God has for us. Father, I just thank you that in the world that is constantly filled with things that are jumping for our attention, that try to distract us and lead us different paths, Father, your word brings clarity to our life. Your word is an anchor for our faith. Your word reveals the things that we can't see. And so I just pray that we would come to you with an open heart, with an open mind, that we would listen to you, each one of us, and we would do what you ask, and you would just lead our way. So, Father, come and visit with us right now and lead us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. 
If you have a Bible, feel free to turn to that. If you have the city app, you'll find the verses and all the notes on there as well. And of course, it'll be on the screen. Starting in chapter three, verse 14, it said, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. We will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches, what he's saying to the church. I know that this was all written a long time ago, but it was relevant then and it's still relevant now. Church, he's trying to talk to us. You see, a lot of times people think about the New Testament and they think about just the life of Jesus and about after he died and the life of the apostles and the disciples. But what you find is a lot of it was letters to the church. It was letters to bring attention to things that they've become blind to in their life, to help bring some correction, to help steer them back in the right way. And for us believers, that's just as important. And so today I want to start with this simple truth. He knows. He knows. Verse 15, it says this. I know all things you do. Let me say that again. I know all things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He knows. Whether somebody's there or not, God knows. He knows whenever you're doing things in his name, but your intentions aren't right. He knows. He knows your secrets. He knows what's in your closet. He knows it all. So for us, we have to be mindful of the way that we live our life, acknowledging that he knows. When I was little, there was a song that always made me think of this. It is called Santa's Coming to Town. And see, if you know the lyrics to that song, it goes something like this. I'm going to sing. I don't have a voice like Mark's, but I'm going to sing, okay? So bear with me. But it says, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. I remember my dad would tell me that song, and he'd be like, hey, man, Christmas is around the corner. If you don't get your butt together... It's not going to be good. So you better believe I heard that song and I thought like, oh man, I got to get it together. And of course I did. But church, wouldn't it be different if we thought about God and Jesus in the same way? Maybe we wouldn't get our life together just for a season, but we would have more consistency in this life. See, because now we're wearing masks, but if we're honest, let's be honest, let's keep it real. There's believers and even us sometimes that have been wearing masks for way longer than just now. 
It's the truth. It was happening then and it's still happening now. A lot of times Jesus used to point it out and tell the Sadducees and the Pharisees, religious leaders like, hey, I see through that mask and what you're doing is living a double life. I don't know if any of y'all ever seen Dateline, but people that live double lives, it don't work so well. It doesn't turn out good. I could barely manage the one life that I have. I can't imagine juggling two. But some way along the line, people think it's acceptable. Well, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. He says this, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body's filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body's filled with darkness. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, let me say that again. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So that just shows you right there. He doesn't want us living a double life. He's not gonna allow us to live a double life. It's unacceptable. But sometimes we don't even aware that we're living a double life. Like this verse right here, verse 17 says, you say I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, you don't realize. You don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You don't realize it. Church, that is a scary place to be in when you don't realize something like that. But if we're being honest, that's what happens when we forget that he knows. That's what happens when we ignore that he knows. We begin to live life by our own terms. We take him out of the driver's seat and replace it with ourselves. It turns into Burger King. You having it your way all day. That's not good, church. Because this verse right here just says it. An example is this. To you, everything you do is good even when it's wrong. You're blind. To you, sinful actions have no shame. They have no remorse. You're naked. To you, being generous means you get to pick and choose who you get to help, despite what the Holy Spirit is leading you to. You're poor. To you, you don't understand why somebody has something that you've been working for, been asking for, and you don't have it. You're miserable. To you, it's hard to understand why somebody will stand up for something they believe in when you believe something different. You're wretched. Now, hear my heart when I say this. That's lukewarm faith. That's losing sight that he knows and acting like you know more. And I'm not saying that we're not, we're going to be perfect or we're going to have it all together because we're not. We're human people. We're going to make mistakes. But there's going to become a time that we're going to be held accountable for everything that we do. That we're going to be right in front of him. And there's no way to talk yourself out of that. There's no way to say, well, I did it this way. I did it that way. He knows. So check yourself because he knows. The second thing is this. Correction is love. Correction is love. Before we enter a relationship with Jesus, often our love is tainted by the world. Okay, we are influenced by our upbringing. We're influenced by other people. 
And they don't always represent God the way that he was mending it to. So the only way to find absolute truth, the only way to learn that is to go to his word. And his word says this today in verse 19, I correct and discipline everyone I love. Everyone, pastors, yeah, everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. His correction, his discipline, that's an expression of his love. He's trying to show you and help you in something that you're not seeing for yourself. I can think of all the time that people said they love me and they would tell me advice and I would take it like, oh man, these people love me, they're looking out for me. And it always ended up worse than when it began. Sometimes it'd be like, hey, you know what? It's cool if you drink and drive, just have a couple more shots. You're not even gonna worry about it. You're not gonna stress about it. It's gonna be fine. Or maybe I'm in a relationship and things are crazy and they're like, hey man, I know things are, are rocky, but look, you know this girl and so-and-so likes you, right? I'm just saying, there might be an out for you. That might be something you won't look into. I remember when I first got saved, people told me, man, you need to slow down. You're living crazy. You're living too fast. You need to get your life together. As soon as I got saved, their attitude changed. It was no more cheering me on. There was like, oh, you think you're better than us? Oh, you go to church now. Okay, oh, all right, you could have come judge us now. And that was never the case. I was just trying to allow God to help transform me and help me make a better life. Does that sound like love to you? Church, we have to be careful of the advice that we take in, that the people that are giving it, are, are, where is the love coming from? Is it from the world standard or is it from God's? We have to be careful, so check yourself. And I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't want to follow the Bible. It's a bunch of rules and it's all this and that. And it talks about that I need to fear the Lord. Like, what do I need to be afraid of? And people take that term, fear the Lord, has they got to walk on eggshells for the rest of their life. That's not what it's saying. Fearing the Lord is understanding that there's going to be a day that comes that your consequences are going to catch up with you for your actions. That a day is going to come and you're going to have to address them. But not only that, it shows your respect towards God. He's trying to express his love to you. Well, how much do you respect him? Your respect is shown by the way that you obey him. It talks about it, and Jesus said it in, in John 14 and 15. He was talking about those who obey me show that they actually love me. And in 1 John chapter 2, he says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar. And it's not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how they completely love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those that say they live in God should live their life as Jesus did. So that shows us right there. You got to accept all that comes with this. I know people that have read the Bible, they know something is a sin and say, ah, it's, it's cool, like society says it's acceptable. It's not a big deal. Well, it is. I know so many people that try to brush off things. Man, God told me to do this, but I really feel I should do that. They're ignoring him. Church, that's a dangerous place to be because that's just showing that your faith, you have having picky faith. You want to pick and choose what you want to apply to you. You want to pick and choose uh, what you want to obey. God said that's unacceptable. Because if you can't accept his correction, what you're really saying is you don't want to fully accept his love. And that's a love that's undeserving. 
that no matter what we do in this life, we don't deserve it. We don't. But that's a love he's willing to give us and he's willing to show us. People think that it's okay being on the fence, being a lukewarm Christian. It's not. That verse shows it. That's not an option. So I came here today to let somebody know it's time to get off that fence. It's time. I had a sister in Christ named Kristen Miller, and she said something that always stuck with me. She said, either you're all the way in or you ain't in at all. You're all the way in or you ain't in at all. So check yourself because the way that you're expressing your love and respect for God is shown through your obedience. It's shown on the way that you're listening and applying these things to your life. The third thing is this, investments matter. Investments matter. The things that we pour our time, our energy, our resources in, they make a big difference in our lives. They make a huge difference in our faith. It could hinder our relationship with Jesus. They could hinder our faith if they're the wrong things we're investing in. Or, like fertilizer, it could help it grow. It could choke out things that we don't need. And church, I don't know anything about the stock market, but I know that that is a good investment. That's got to be a good investment. It says this in verse 18. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. So he's trying to give us something that is going to take away some things that we've probably added to our life. He's going to try to help us see things that we don't see for ourselves. He's going to try to help us clothe some things that we've been exposing and been walking around like it's our identity. Church, that is a good investment. We should invest in that. The first thing he talked about was the gold. He said, buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, and then you'll be rich. He's saying, look, man, the world is going to offer you things. It looks equal in value. It looks great. It looks good. But what it comes with is unclean. It's fake gold. What it comes with has more than what you bargained for. What it comes with is going to have some strings attached. It's going to leave you worse off than when you first begin. So we have to be careful on the things we're investing in, the things that we're buying. Well, how do you figure out what that is? It's by not just listening to the word, but applying it to your life. It's by listening to the Holy Spirit and applying what it's telling you. It's by praying. All these different things that are going to help grow your discernment for what is by the world standard versus God's. Your investment matters. I think about marriage in this context because nowadays you see affairs happening all the time. Like it's almost socially acceptable nowadays. You get married, you have an affair, it's not a big deal, it's okay. But what you see is our divorce rate is always climbing. Because that's the thing about an affair. That's, that's fake gold. People go into that thinking that it's something worth valuable. It's something worth risking. Then they end up in a divorce. Then there's the financial aspect that comes with that. There are all the things that they've been building over the years get broken. And for what? Then if there's children involved on top of that, now the children are growing up in a broken home. Now they're exposed to things and they'll start getting the impression like, you know what, my parent did this and they said it was okay. I guess there's no risk for it. I could go ahead and try anything and it's gonna be okay if I think it's valuable enough. That's a dangerous example to have. So church, we have to be careful what we're buying because your investments matter. 
The second thing he talked about was buy white garments for me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. Buy white garments for me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. I'm sure we've all heard the expression, misery loves company. It seems like once you mess up, everything around you just keeps trying to kick you down and keep you in that place. When you think about the enemy, what does he want to do? He's going to hit your weaknesses, right? He's not going to hit your strengths. He wants to keep you in a place that attaches those things in your life, that creates bondage and all these things that you were never meant to carry. Soon it becomes your identity. You associate yourself with that shame, with that guilt, with those things. When you were never meant to, you were supposed to learn from it and grow from it. But we have to be careful about this because God gave us something better to wear. We don't have to walk around with these things if we accept the clothes that God offers. He's willing to cover those things that have become naked. He's willing to help us have a new identity that is true and it's through Jesus. It talks about it in Romans chapter three. For everyone has sinned, everyone. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice showed that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times for he was looking ahead and included them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. When they believe in Jesus, man, we all mess up. It's crazy to think that Jesus came for the same people that killed him. That he was mocked, he was humiliated, he was tortured. They did everything possible for him to walk around exposing his nakedness, exposing the things that to us bring a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And he was willing to go with it. He was willing to endure it for each one of us. The word of God says after three days, he rose from the tomb, conquering death. And that when you believe in him, when you declare these things, you can be saved. Because what did I say? There's going to come a day that we're going to be held accountable. That there's no more talking we can do. That it's going to be all laid out on the table to be examined. And God is saying through his word right now that if you don't, careful with what you clothe yourself with, you could be facing that judgment or you could allow Jesus to give you a white robe and cover those things. Are you willing to accept that? I love what it says in Revelation 7. It says, after I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation, tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb, check that out, they were clothed and white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb salvation comes from God who
who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I love that it said great roar. That's something to roar about. That in the day when we face our judgment, we can put on the white robe that Jesus gives us and we can be a part of this celebration. Because if that's not what we're wearing, you can add up all the bad days in your life and it's not gonna accumulate to what you're gonna experience in a place eternally separated from God. And church, I don't want that for any of us. I pray that we're part of that celebration, that we're shouting, that we're roaring. Check the clothes that you wear because they matter. The third thing he talked about was this, ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. Ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. Church, if I'm honest, I believe some of us, and including myself at times, we think it's okay to walk around with blurred vision. We think, you know what? I don't need God to see some things. I could do these things on my own. I can handle this. If you think about it, that sounds crazy, but for much of my life, that was me. You see, since the time I was little, I knew that I was supposed to wear glasses. But if you ask my wife, she'll tell you it's been only the past couple of years that I actually started wearing them. That sounds dumb, right? Like, why would you go through that? I even had to go get a driver's license and I wasn't wearing glasses at the time. They said, you cannot drive a car unless you get an eye exam and pass it with some glasses. I got glasses, I passed it. And then I threw them away. I said, I don't need those things, it's dumb. But how dumb am I to think that I wanna go through life sabotaging myself and for what? When God was willing to give me clarity, when God was really give me something better. But that's what we do. We already got the enemy coming after us. Why do we wanna be an enemy with him against ourselves? Check yourself. What you invest in matters. My challenge for us this week, my plan of action for us this week is this. Each day, check your temperature. Each day. And that's for me too. Well, how do you check your temperature? Well, are you living a life acknowledging the fact that he knows that he's watching over you? Are you doing whatever you want? Well, when you hear God's love and correction, when the Holy Spirit brings it to you, when you read his word, how are you responding? Does your response look like obedience with love and respect? What are the things you are investing in? Are there things that are gonna make your faith stronger? They're gonna help you whenever those storms in life come? Or are there things that you think is best that made things harder? Check yourself, what you invest in matters. In the Old Testament, there's a story of King David and it talks about how he was a man after God's own heart. And I've heard many believers say, man, I wanna be a believer like that. I wanna be after God's own heart. And man, I think that's awesome, so do I. But there's something to watch. Cause there was one day that David didn't go with them to go fight the battle. He stayed back at the kingdom and he noticed the girl. And that one day off led to him committing adultery, led to him committing murder, led to his whole wife, his whole life going in a whirlwind. And I say that because even as a pastor, just as a believer, 
That's true for us too. Whenever we take a day off, we could find ourselves so far from God, we have no clue how we got there. We can't even recognize ourselves. We become cold, a distant shell of the believer we once were. We become lukewarm. We're just going through the motions. Yeah, we're kind of this way, kind of that way. My hope and my prayer is that we would all be passionate on fire, that we would all be hot, that people would be able to identify us and say, man, that dude loves the Lord, and I see God working in their life. I pray that for all of us, but it takes work. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have the worship team come up here. Father, I just thank you, man. It's crazy to think of the things that you freely give us that we don't deserve. So many times we want to choose what's best for ourselves, not realizing that we're hurting ourselves. And so Father, I just pray that today you would open up our eyes, that we will be able to see the things that we become blind to, that we will be able to respond to your love, to your discipline with obedience, expressing our love, expressing our respect, I pray that we will live a life acknowledging that you are always looking over us. Not that you are trying to run our life, Father, but you are trying to help guide our life. Father, help us invest in things that matter to you so we can know that everything that we live out on this place, we're going to receive a white robe one day from believing and declaring of your son. Father, we need your help. This is a task bigger than each one of us, and it's one that we can't do alone. But you said that we don't have to, that you will never forsake us, that you will never abandon us, that you would work in us and through us to see these things come true. So Father, help us be there today. Help us become those believers that are hot. Pour out your Holy Spirit, spreading a fresh fire and of faith in us. We love you. And pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.